And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 39. And this is the Next Generation episode for this month. I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with Scott Gardner. Hello. Hey. And we have two, count them two, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. A little different than our other Star Trek show. We're running these ones in order. So we're all the way into the second season now. And we've, we've got a couple, couple two of them. Now, do you, do, um, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the um, synopses of, of uh, these ones sound. Because I seem to recall last month's next generation synopses that you read were particularly horrible <laughs> they were some of the most like there was one of them where we were like was that even the same show that we just watched that this guy's right. talking about they i just seem to remember they they bled the life out of them so i'm i'm very uh i'm very curious as to uh how, i i how haven't those yeah I haven't read them yet, so uh, we're going to discover that together. Uh, yeah, that's the fun <laughs> of it. That's part of the fun of it. And uh, so we've got two. We've got um, loud as a whisper, and the whisper. and the listen. I always want to. I I I know it's pronounced schizoid man, but it always it just always looks like schizoid man. The schizoid man. And every time I see the title of that episode, The Schizoid Man, I think of the King Crimson song, 21st Century Schizoid Man. Which I'm sure will rear its ugly head <laughs> sometime oh, awesome. on this episode. 
You know what I was just noticing is that uh, I watched these episodes and we're going to review these episodes in DVD order. But uh, they're actually flip-flopped in the Star Trek, what is this, Companion, the Star Trek Next Generation Companion. They're actually flip-flopped. It says that Schizoid Man was produced and aired first before Loud as a Whisper. So that's odd. Hmm. I don't know why they're uh, in a different order on the on the DVDs. I, I always wonder about how that sort of thing works anyway. I'm never entirely sure how that uh how that plays out. But anyway, we're going to start with Loud as a Whisper. Do you have anything before we, uh, before we get into this one? No, I don't. I have absolutely no Star Trek The Next Generation news for anybody. <laughs> me neither. All right, we'll go ahead and just uh, jump, <clears throat> excuse me, jump right on into this one. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. We are all in this together. A death mediator. Hopes to bring peace to war-torn planets. No, never, never! A sudden attack kills off his translators. Beam us up now! Destroying any chance of a ceasefire. We need you! On Star Trek, The Next Generation. So this is Loud as a Whisper, second season. Uh, aired the week of January 9th, 1989. And the synopsis goes as follows. To help settle a civil war, the Enterprise is sent to retrieve the great... Why do they even bother to put this in here? What planet he's from? Because I don't think they... Do they even mention that? I guess they do. But anyway, it's not important. The great mediator, Reba. And I always thought they were saying Reba, like R-E-B-A, like Reba McIntyre. That's what I, never that's what I thought, too. Yeah. But according to this, it's Reva with a V. Uh, whose resume extends to negotiating early UFP Klingon treaties. The crew is surprised to learn, though, that Riva and his ruling family were born deaf and use a three-member telepathic chorus to communicate. The woman, the scholar, and the warrior slash Adonis. The la- uh, latter informs Troy that Riva is taken with her. But an incident on strife-torn Soleus V wrecks the peace mission and Reva's self-confidence as well when a terrorist opens fire, killing the chorus. The loss sends Reva into a fit of grief and helplessness. Uh, Data learns uh, to read his frantic signing, but Picard cannot draw Reva out. When the mediator even refuses Troy's uh, attempts to help, she opts to try the mission herself. Applying Riva for uh, negotiating hints, she inspires him to use his own main strategy, turn a disadvantage into an advantage. Reinvigorated, Riva beams down alone, determined to start from scratch and te- teach both Soleus uh, factions his sign language, no matter how long it takes. That's kind of a simple, dry one, but yeah, that's pretty much what happens in this one. It's pretty much a simple, dry episode, for that matter. Yeah, but, uh, I, I mean, the teaser on this one is so anticlimactic. It's just sort of like, well, we're at the planet. All right, space, the final frontier. Yep. You, you and know. I are so in sync this this month because you, you are... Our constantly- periods are lining up. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, yeah, we we frequently have the same notes. I, I had a, a underlined about five times, very, and then just said weak teaser. It is. It's, it's, they they, they beam down. No tease about it. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. There's nothing to make you to want to come back after the first commercial. Really, I, I'll be honest. You know, I both of these I went into with a certain sense of oh shit. 
because I didn't remember either one of them being very good. They're a little better than I thought, but uh, <laughs> this one kind of sucks. And my biggest problem with this one, with all apologies to the dude, and I don't know his name, but the dude that played Riva in this, he really is a deaf guy. You know, he. he I, I know. I, I, could, I, I figured it out very quickly. I went to a school that had a, the second biggest school uh, with the uh, biggest deaf population in America. Uh-huh. And uh, I could tell right away. From his face. Huh? Yeah? What? Right? <laughs> God sorry. damn, I can't believe I fell for that. I'll, but, ah. <laughs> anyway, I could tell by his face. He's got deaf face. Huh? That's all I can say. Shut up, man. He, there, there's, there's something about... and There's some... I wanted to punch him in the face. Okay, that, that's just what I want to say. <laughs> nothing against it, like you said. Nothing against the actor. Nothing against deaf people. I like deaf people. I used to hang around with them all. Some of my best friends are deaf people. But there's something about maybe it's the gingerness of him, you know, the redheadedness <laughs> or something. But there's something just dickish about his face and the way, the way uh, the and 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 that's like, but that's like the exaggerated. There's sort of this exaggerated face that deaf people make when they're making their emotion face while they're signing. You know, they're they're making a, a an exaggerated emotion on their face to um to augment the uh, what the emotion of what they're saying is. I'm actually sitting here talking to the microphone, whipping my hands like a like I'm signing <laughs> and talking. But they make this sort like a lot of times they make this sort of uh, exaggerated, scrunched up nose. You know what I mean? Right. Squint your eyes oh, and yeah, scrunch yeah. up your nose while you're talking. And the only thing that was unlike a real deaf person is deaf people make, especially stone deaf people who've never spoken and never heard, they make little noises while they do that. They're <laughs> as they breathe and stuff. He didn't do any of that. But I was just <laughs> like, don't they have technology to read his hand signs or where he could mouth his lips and have just something looking at his lips and turning it into language you know what I mean even even interpreting because those facial expressions are like you know they, they were developed they, they were developed from real facial expressions but they're sort of exaggerations of wow iconic you know, it, things you just you just made me think about something that I totally forgot is that uh, in in the last one of those uh, Titans books that I read. Now, granted, that takes a number of years in the future past this point. Right. But still, I mean, I don't think it's more than tw- maybe 20 years at most. But, you know, that's that's the, the stories about Riker and, and his wife on their own ship now. And in that, there's a creature that's a member of the crew that largely communicates through, um, like, uh, not hand. It doesn't have hands. It has like tentacles. So like, t- whatever the word would be, tentacular gestures. Uh huh. And the, and the universal translator interprets those gestures into language for the other crew members. So yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't have that yet. I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they hadn't invented that. We have but shit like that. We, yeah, we kind of do. So you would <laughs> you know? think that, yeah, you would think that sign language wouldn't be this monumental barrier that brings the episode to a screeching halt the way it does. Yeah, you wouldn't think being deaf would be even something somebody would, uh, huh? would uh, have to put up with. 
Like the shit I put up with. Say that last part again. I won't. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you You know, know, I don't know Could they have fixed his... I I mean, maybe... Maybe, and it's funny because in in this episode also, they have Jordy, you know, the doctor telling Jordy, hey, I could fix your eyes. And he was basically saying, nah, I like my nerd glasses. I don't want contacts. (laughs) And, uh... And so, and 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 Riva says something to him about you know that being something special to. Him. But yeah, I'm sure in the future they could just give him a mechanical ear or something like that. You know, we're working on it now. We're close to it now. See, I liked that moment that you just referred to when uh, when uh, Polaski was was basically telling him, you know, I, I can give you new eyes if you want them. Yeah, I've I liked it. that. Yeah, I like that moment a lot, mostly because, you know, spoiling ahead, that that eventually ends up happening. Now, I think the eyes he gets, um, I'm trying to remember, is it First Contact that's the first one where he's got the, I think it is First Contact, the one, the first one where he has the mechan, you know, the new eyes. You know, he's visorless, I guess is what I'm trying yes. to say. He's visorless as of, as of that one, right? First Contact, I'm I pretty sure. So. But I always got the impression that those were like bionic eyes. Because, yeah, you know what? As a matter of fact, I know they are because there was that great scene where it shows him do kind of the, the Steve Austin thing where his eyes like zoom in on uh, on Zephram Cochran and stuff like that. Right, So right. he's basically got like a, like a visor, you know, like, a, like an eyeball version of his visors. So they're not quite like new, you know, newly grown eyes like what Pulaski's talking about. But, you know, basically what she's saying comes to pass. And I had the thought that um, I would love it if, if in like the the novels or something, that she would end up being attributed like, you know, like there was an untold story where, you know, she'd actually kept up with his case over the years, and she was the one that basically uh-huh. had done the operation. I think that'd be pretty cool. Well, she sort of hints it that it's something that's kind of her specialty, you know? Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um. I thought that scene was sort of stuck in there, you know. But I was like, okay, I, I was, I, I, I was very surprised that there was not. It was just in there. It doesn't resolve at all. It doesn't go any further than that. It's just a one scene, and it's sort of out of place in the story. And I, that that was something where I'm going, oh, okay, they're starting to, uh, they're starting to think about, you know, stretching out instead of having every story be self-contained. Maybe that's why there's some switching going around in time periods for stuff like that, you know? Could be. I, I, I got the impression more that that it was supposed to play out like, you know, almost like the, that little Shazam moment at the end of the show, you know, where you get the moral that, that it was supposed to be like, look, kids, it's okay if you're, if you're handicapped. Handicapped are, you know, right. people are people too, and it's okay and you don't have to feel like a freak and all that and I get that you know and that that's a noble thing to want to express however I think they completely dropped the ball I, I think that scene does not feel while I enjoy the scene for what it is and for its foreshadowing of something that would actually come to pass it feels just stuck know, in there and it, it feels it does it feels like a scene that doesn't play out properly and I think what it you know it, it was supposed to have a purpose that just didn't pan out you yeah, know what I mean yeah yeah it, it, it's it's yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of out of context, and it, it it seems like it almost, I I it didn't seem it didn't seem as out of place until they didn't do anything with it. When the show is over, I'm like, oh okay, so I guess that's not a B plot. <laughs> I guess that was just a one scene and not gonna be like, 
you know, the the secondary story going on. That's that's what I thought they were doing. I was thinking, ah, it's a little late in the, to start bringing the secondary <laughs> right. secondary story into the script, but okay. Uh, but I guess not. I don't know, man. Between between the deaf ginger and Troy, I was gonna chew my arm off and beat somebody to death with it by the end of this this episode. You know, it was like these two touchy uh, just. Just all the scenes of them Google eyeing, you know, of him Google eyeing at her, and it's, and he's not a psychic. He's not an empath. He's got his thing with his, uh, with his, um, you know, his Greek chorus there. But that's a <laughs> thing that they've trained over years to get his every peanut time gallery. Would, every time he said that in the episode, all I could hear was, "Oh, we are the boys in the chorus. We hope you like the show. We know you're rooting for us, but now we have to go." <laughs> and and I like the idea of it. I, the audience is like, "What the hell are they singing about?" Bugs Bunny. If you guys yeah. don't know your Bugs Bunny, get on it. You got to get on that one. But uh, I liked I I liked the idea of the chorus, and I liked the, actually the execution of the chorus. I, I I didn't mind like their dialogue and what they were saying, but just him, just the way he he just had this sort of like dickish. Man- mannerism to him or, or I don't know there was just something he was cocky he was cocky but at the same time yeah it, it, yeah and and, and do you and, remember that kid that we went to school with I, I literally have no idea what his name was but he had a hook hand yes and he was the biggest prick you ever met in your whole life because he had a chip on his shoulder that you know, because he had a hook hand, he wasn't going to be treated like he was handicapped, and he was actually and nobody than really did, and nobody really, yeah, yeah, nobody really messed with him. You know, yeah, well, uh, it's because he was an asshole. He, but, but I remember, um, there was him, and I can't remember the other kid's name. His the other kid's name was Billy, and remember, Billy had the crutches. He had like cerebral palsy. I don't think he had cerebral. Maybe he had cerebral palsy. I don't think he had cerebral palsy, but he had like maybe polio or something. He had something wrong with his legs, but he didn't have the cerebral palsy like talk or anything. But he right. had to do. He had those, you know, those metal yes, crutches I that you had. I hate that kid. <laughs> well, well, that kid, that that kid had an attitude too. I saw that kid punch people out with his crutches before, but people used yeah. to pick on him. People used to give him shit. Nobody gave the the the. The guy with the hook ran with a tough crowd too. I got I got punched in the eye with him and ended up in the hospital one, during lunch once. Do you re, do you remember that happening I don't at all? Remember that, but I do remember him getting in trouble for stabbing somebody with that friggin' hook of his a number of times. And and uh, I, I think there was a genuine fear of that kid because people were afraid he'd hook you in the eye. You well, know? when I got punched in the face eye by him it wasn't with the hook he had taken the hook off and punched me with the stump sucker punched me with the stump and we were in the lunchroom and his table they were all metal like the metalhead stoner kids and uh at that point i was uh, more of the hippie stoner kid or but whatever and they were they didn't like some like my hair or something and they were you know they were making fun of it loud enough for me to hear it so I did the little where where you do the little wind on your hand and wind your your middle finger up, and right. uh, and uh, basically he got all upset about that because he thought since I raised my middle finger it was somehow you know 
somehow in reference to him having a stump. I don't think he really believed that, but that was his excuse to pick a fight after that. So we left the lunchroom and he just came up behind me and was like, you know, why did you flip me off? And I'm like, I flipped off your whole table because you were making fun of me. And then I kept walking. And then the next thing I know, I see stars and I'm like on the ground and like Will Howard's got him by the throat. And, uh, and I literally stood up, took three steps and fell into the nurse's office. And the nurse is like, one of your pupils is dilated and the other one is is small. She's like, you've got to go to the hospital because I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And uh, and then, of course, it was one of those deals when, like, after I was got out of college, you I went have told home. her, ha, you had to see my testicles. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, years later, I, I, I saw him in a bar when I went home and he was just like, hey, remember me? I thought you were a dick, but I think you're cool now. And then he smashed a chair over his head. No, he made a point to go. Sh- you know me. I'm Mr. Um, live and let live. And but then he did the thing that like what about those. Oh, never mind. I can't talk about that. A on lot. The air. A lot of people with like mangled hands and stuff love to do where he took where. When I went to shake hands with him, I got the stump. And he made sure to do the long, you know, you're going to hold my stump. But I'm not squeamish, man. I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's a stump. Okay, it feels exactly like you would think it was. It's not like, oh, my God, I'm touching his stump. But, uh, yeah, where, what did this have to do with uh, that? I am that, so going to pull that out of that context s- in that the future. That stupid deaf ginger. <laughs> man, I'm an <laughs> asshole tonight. But... It, yeah, something about him just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, and and I didn't like see. I didn't like watching. He did this like squinty thing where he'd st- that was supposed to be him like staring at Troy and you know with intensity. And I'm thinking this guy isn't psychic. He just got off the transporter and was like, "Ooh, she's hot." So he's pulling lines out of his you know just mm-hmm. you know that like uh, the universe and she's totally fallen for it. Maybe he was sincere and she could sense it, but I don't think so. I think she's just a whore. And uh, it, he reminded me uh, the thing where I don't, I've never liked him. And I, and I know it's not fair to just make a snap judgment. So I was actually trying to figure out what, what it was. is it about this guy that I just don't like. And it, it basically comes down to he's got creepy. 80s shitty porn star face you know he you know what i mean like yes. he, he, he he i know he doesn't he doesn't strongly resemble like fat ron jeremy but he does enough that that's the association i think i'm making <laughs> is that this guy's just slimy you know what i mean yeah you're gonna have to bleep that i i <laughs> that's the one that's the first one since since the new year you're gonna have to bleep. <laughs> okay, good. You know what I, I mean? Gonna, I, was, I was. I'm so stupid. I was gonna go. Well, make sure you remind me to bleep that out, even though we it's going to be on the recording I'm listening to. That's how stupid <laughs> I am. Yeah, I the like when if if I took it if I was reading his character off a script, I would I would be, actually be really into it. I like the idea of having the. The, the chorus and they're all different as you know they they're all attuned to different aspects and you can tell what he's it, it adds a depth to what he's saying by who's saying it and all that I thought that was a great idea but 
coming from him, it was just like, oh, and you know, and and he would have these facial expressions that were pure. I don't. I, I think one of the things was he didn't really crack a real smile ever in the whole. It was all just like that serious face. He might have done a little smarmy smile when he was trying to get in Troy's. Uh, I want to say pants, but it's more of like a jumpsuit. But you know <laughs> what I mean. But yeah, I just, I, I just, I didn't like him, and it, it, it colored my enjoyment of the episode. And, and all the scenes with him and Troy were just like, oh, I don't want to see somebody. I, 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 I'll, I'll admit it. I think Troy's hot, or, or the actress who plays Troy. If I met Troy in real life, I wouldn't want to have sex with her. But if I met Marina Sirius at that point in the, it, it, during those days, maybe not today. I would definitely be. Uh, She's actually all over more that. attractive today than Is she, she ever was. Well, I'd be then, all over yeah. that. I'd be all over that. But you know, when when they were having their little romantic dinner and stuff, I actually got like evil pleasure when on the bridge they were like, "Well, go get him right now," and I'm like, "Yes, cock blocked." Sorry, <laughs> dude, you're not getting laid. I thought for sure he was getting laid. It's like, yes, good, dude. If I'm not getting laid, you're not getting laid. <laughs> Space cock block. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> it sucks for him, but I'm glad because I didn't like him, so I didn't want him to get any. Oh, let's see. I've got a. <laughs> I've got a number of them for the, the the first one. I haven't touched the obvious the 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 obvious part, so I'm waiting for you to get oh, to. Oh, it. all right, all right. Well, the the episode starts out and um, Picard is playing with his little holographic mobile in his in his ready room there. What the hell was that all about? That that it, that was also something that led nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah, it was it was that was in the teaser to the episode. He's like, "I'm trying to figure out why this planet doesn't uh, blah 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 doesn't degrade and blah blah blah." And and Riker's like, "Yeah, maybe something screwed up in the math or something." And then they drop it and it's never it's like, "What what was that shit all about?" I, it was just you know, I, I mean, it's fine that I, I guess maybe it's supposed to add a little realism that, you know, this is what they think about. This is during just their what day, they're doing. It just doesn't go anywhere. You're so used to the, the Chekhov's gun where everything has to have a callback in the episode. When it doesn't happen, then it feels out of place. You know what I mean? Well, it's just like you think they're setting something up. You're like, oh, OK, so they're going to investigate a planet with a weird with a with a stable orbit that should be unstable or something and that's going right. to be part of the plot and it's actually it's nothing right. it's it's it would be like one of us going hey what are you doing oh, i'm working on this rubik's cube uh well maybe if you turn that that way no nah, i already tried it it sucks i don't know what <laughs> there, there are so many weird mo- this is just a weird episode yes. the way i would classify this one there's a moment in that in this episode where I, I think that I, I honestly think that if if Worf beat Troy to death right there on the spot that he should be allowed to have a pass because they all head to the transporter room to beam down to the planet mm-hmm. and she starts like reading his thoughts out loud to like the whole in class, front of everybody right? and he's a She's Klingon like, and the security officer he's a Klingon he doesn't like that touchy feely shit. And she's, <laughs> right. she's she's like you're ready to fight why are you you know and calling him out and that's kind of her job but the way she does it you're right she she totally like she totally just basically you know subverts his authority and makes him you know you can tell he's using every bit of his strength to remain professional there 
But, you know, for, for, for who she is, she should take into account that he's a Klingon. And, you know, maybe you should be a little more cling, you know, Klingon to him and, and maybe approach it in that way. But she does it in that sort of... That would be like being at work and, you're, and your manager comes up and, and you know, in, and while you're in the break room with all your, all your buddies hanging out and everything, comes up and puts his hand on his shoulder and goes... Um, you know, I know you got the diarrhea today, but blah 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 blah, and you'd be you'd be humiliated. You know, and he she's doing the same thing in front of everybody. She's standing there with the tough, stolid Klingon warrior going. Uh, Two seconds you know, before they're about to go down, too, right? Like you well, know, that's she always. That's her. That's her trick. That's what she always does at, at the most crucial moment. Then she's suddenly got to get all weird with everybody right, and right. make them second guess themselves. Right, and she does it all the time, and somebody needs to smack her for it. I'll smack her with the ginger guy's arm after I chew it <laughs> off. <laughs> um, nice to see Chief O'Brien, and I don't know if he's a chief yet, but O'Brien was in this one. I like that character, and uh, I like where he ends up going. Um, oh my God, is there? There's some good looks in both of these episodes. Uh, I watched them back to back, so it's tough for me to remember exactly which ones which had the one right had looks. Which? But this one has a great moment in it where the first time Reba comes onto the bridge and Riker just has this look. And I interpret the look to be like, hey, you stay hey, away from her. I wear the beard around here, all right? I just loved it. He cuz he looked like he was going to get up and just put his foot in that guy's ass. I loved it. Well, that guy's trying to step into his territory too, even though she's not really his territory, you know. He and he and Deanna definitely have a little I suspect that Riker is secretly enjoying Reva's discomfiture in this episode and and the fact that he's kind of being taken down a, yeah. a peg. I I really do feel that. It just Reading between the lines and, and seeing the little looks on Riker's face, you know, he he expresses sympathy kind of half acidly a couple of times, but secretly I think he's like, Yeah, take that, you son. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh Riva has no concept of personal space. No, no, that's that's yeah, that's a very deaf um that's a very deaf trait, though. That's very realistic. They they get right up in your right up on your tip. I don't like that. It's that, that, the the entire time in that with Jordy, while he's ha- he's got his hands right at the side of Jordy's face. I I I was really hoping that somebody would, you know, make him back off. That just it's not even me, and it makes me. uncomfortable. I was waiting for him stay, to grab the back the of his of head and go state. primitive cranial structure. <laughs> um. Oh, there's a great moment during the uh, before they beam down to the planet, just before uh, the chorus gets killed. Uh, Reva says, "I have never failed. Look for Brent Spiner's look. It, it's data. He just makes this look like what an asshole. You know, what I mean, it's <laughs> great. It's a great look. And I don't know if it's if it's intentional as, as you know, it's supposed to be part of data, or if it was just something that happened and." You know, just got left in the episode, yeah. but it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, I just gotta ask. It's not even really episode specific, but I just happened to think of it this time. Why do they always, you know, the the one of the the guys, a navigator helmsman, one of the guys will mm-hmm. say something like, you know, we're approaching planet Dirtball Three, Captain. 
all right, drop out of warp and, you know, half impulse. Why do they do that? Why don't they just like drop standard... out of warp when they're there? You know, get to the friggin' planet and drop out. Because I know it, it's really a Star Wars convention that eventually Star Trek would adopt where they would you would see them, like, like do that. You know the, the effect I'm talking about in Star Wars where they actually come out of light speed and it's like, zip, and yep. they're right there, you know, holding off the planet. You know what I mean? Star Trek didn't do that for a long, long time, but eventually it did adopt that to where you would see them come out of warp and then suddenly they're back at normal like cruising speed type of thing. So they can do that. So why don't they? Why do they always like get to the system and then creep into it? Well, like, I, like I always thought that was like thing. a safety precaution. You know, you don't want to uh, come out of warp too close to a planet. And if you, misca if you miscalculate and, and you... You you probably shoot for a spot that where if you miscalculate you have a lot of empty space around you so it's not gonna. So you're saying if the brakes fail they got runoff room. Right, right, saying? exactly, exactly, and and then you know it it just sort of is a, it's you know it's like like a ship out at sea is is got their engines full bore and then when they pull into into the port they slow right down and just you know, chug up so that you know in a more they're they're entering a more habited inhabited space you know there's more stuff around so they they're a big bulky starship so they just sort of have to slow down that way even if you do collide with something you're not colliding with it at warp speed which i don't think we've ever seen that in a in star trek in any of the movies or the tv shows is is something you know colliding during warp that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I wonder That'd why that really hasn't cool. happened. You know, not I don't know. as much to the Enterprise, but to another ship or something, just so we could see. I, I would imagine the effect would be total annihilation. So, of course, I want to see There was it. a moment that could have been really cool, and Scotty's the one that caught this. He was watching this episode with me today where uh, I forget what's going on on the view screen. I think it's when they're talking to the, to the Planet of the Apes-looking dudes down on uh -huh. the planet. And Riker has some smart-ass comment that he makes in the background. <laughs> and Scotty was like, we heard that, Riker. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not what the guys say. But you know, we, we did see that happen in that one Ferengi episode where somebody made a uh, – it was Data, I think, made an offhand comment. And then the Ferengi actually heard the comment. So they should watch what they say, you know, standing in front of that giant view screen and making smart-ass remarks. Yeah, exactly. Rolling their eyes and shit. I had a huge, I actually have a couple of huge, huge things with Picard in this episode. The first one is, I don't like when the characterization is not consistent from episode to episode. I hate when one episode they'll do one thing, and then the very next episode do something that's completely counter to what they did in the last episode. This is a perfect example in this one. Reva decides, you know, he, he decides he's going to go down to the planet and he's not going to take any security. Somebody suggests, hey, we're going to send down some armed guards with you. You're an important Federation dude, and we want to make sure that you're going to be safe down there. Let us send down some security. No, no, no. I'll be all right. I don't, I don't want that shit. You know, I, I, I trust these guys, and, you know, I'll be all right. I'm in control, yeah. So, so Picard says, well, you know, it's your choice. We're, we're here to do what you say, and, you know, if you don't want security, then, then okay, that's fine with me. Since when? 
since when is that no 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 where is this the prerequisite we cannot allow you to place your, yourself in danger we're here to protect you speech because that's picard's thing i, I this the, that entire moment felt completely false and it felt like completely what it was set up for something awful to happen right right exactly he, picard is completely remiss in his job if he's letting this guy who's supposed to be the top negotiator in the Federation beam down into a war zone by himself with with no armed guards or that's just stupid. And and you know, it really jumps out in this episode. At least to me it did. It jumped right out as like, ah, nope, that doesn't that doesn't happen. They don't they don't let that go on. There's regulations about stuff like that. I'm sure I've heard that quoted in some old episode where, you know, they, they wouldn't let, you know, the ambassador beam down by himself. He had to have an armed escort. I'm, I'm positive I've heard that before. The big death scene that I was waiting for and talking up last time. Yeah, a whole lot cheesier today than it was back then. I, I didn't think it looked near as good. Well, I didn't think it looked near as good, but I was like, all right, they're throwing in something, <laughs> something bloody at least for that I can enjoy it in this one. <coughs> and I ended up more laughing at it going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you get to see this, 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 this planet has skeleton guns. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> they must have got them from the Martians and Mars attacks. But I, 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 I liked that, that that was one of the parts of the movies I liked when they off the chorus because I was like, I was just starting to like the chorus and get into the idea of them because... I just like the idea of it and to just wipe them out like that. I was like, Oh, that's pretty intense, you know? And, uh, and I like how they wipe them out and immediately Picard's just like, beam us up, get us out of here. There's no messing around. You know, it's just like, Nope, you guys blew it. Let's get off, off this planet. Um, yeah, the effect was, was very cheesy, but extremely fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It, when you see skeletons and rib cages before, before somebody disappears, and and like the most prominent of the chorus that got hit was the woman. That's usually that's just a very weird. Usually <laughs> you see the guys get hit, but it was just like oh, and she was the nice you know a nice lady all earth goddessy and just like, <laughs> and I like the fact that that. They're taking into consideration, and they did this in the original Star Trek, that other planets have different weapons of, of right. that do that have different looks and different effects. And I liked that these guys were sort of being portrayed as kind of primitive screwheads that that are fighting each other, and they've got this weapon that's just you know like it's not like a phaser that just makes you disappear. This thing like kind of is is a little brutal about it. You know, it's a little more of a weapon of. For terrorizing people, you know, if you came, if you were attacking somebody and shooting them with this, and all of a sudden you saw your friends just, you know, glow, and then their skin melts off, and then their their skeleton disappears. Yeah, that strikes. Te- that's a visceral kind of savage, savage version of a fa- phaser. Is as, as savage as a phaser is gonna get, you know? Right. I like yeah. that. Um. And and you get that impression of that that those people. Although I think they could have used them a little more in the story. You know, the two factions maybe had more scenes with them because they're just sort of in it in two scenes. You know, the scene where they show up 
And then I don't even know if they show them at the very end, actually. So they don't they don't get used much. Although their makeup is a little bit like the Ferengi. They remind me of the Ferengi a little bit, you know, in their sort of. I thought they looked like a cross between a Tellarite and an ape. Yes, yes, yes. I I couldn't remember the the name for Tellarites either. But the, uh, the, the pig the pig face. Yeah, guys. yeah. And uh, so and and you know if you're gonna put some actors in that makeup, you know at least use them a little more. I don't know. This is this is one of my least favorite episodes of all both yeah. seasons. <laughs> I got your back, bro. I'm, yeah. usu- I'm usually pr- <laughs> you you know me. I'm usually pretty easy with this stuff. I'm usually pretty forgiving. Uh, definitely more than you on Next Generation, and this one just did not work for me at all. It sucks. It, um, yeah, it, it pretty much sucks. I had one last... I didn't uh, get bored during watching it, at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it had a couple of redeeming moments, but just, That's you my know. quote for the poster. Wasn't bored, Chris Honeywell. <laughs> Two true freaks. This last one, I felt, was, was a doozy, though. Um, now, you know, a lot of times I do say it jokingly. I say it to kind of needle the members of the listening audience that I know are big, you know, Picard boosters and everything. I don't really think Picard sucks. I actually like Picard quite a bit. But in these early episodes, before I became really, you know, before I really warmed to Picard, I, grew on you. I feel justified in ripping on him a lot of the time because I think a lot of the time he's not very good. This is a primary example. He is a shitty captain at the end of this episode. He's a shitty manager is how it comes down. All right, we have pointed out ad nauseum. It's probably becoming beating a very dead horse by this point how completely useless Deanna Troy is. It annoys the hell out of me that the one time in, like, I don't know, a season and a half that she's been useful in this episode, at the very end of this, he, he calls her to his ready room and makes a big production about holding her shoulders and smiling in her face and patting her head and giving her yeah, a Yeah, because lollipop. she finally did something. He's just Dude, a, he's like, I, we better make a big deal of encouraging her. Maybe she'll... This- uh, no, that is not how good management works. You don't you don't take somebody who's a complete friggin' slacker that never does their job properly and the one time they just happen to stumble into it backwards, reward them for it. This is your job, damn it. It's I can't believe that he you know, it's it's like, "Oh, you 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 did your job for a change. Awesome." No, it doesn't work that way. If anything, he should call her in there and chew her ass. This is what I expected from you all the time. Damn it, I knew you could do the job. Yeah. And do why, it. yeah, why the hell don't you do this all the time? You know, what do you hold? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. He he literally does. I mean, I, I even imagine that there's like a big fat bonus in her paycheck that week because, oh, she actually did her job. Oh, it drives me crazy. I mean, seriously? If anything, it also calls attention to... Data got, Data got a good, did a good job. He didn't get his, his shoulder right. padded. Right. He, wasn't, he, he wasn't canoodling with the ambassador either when they were on an important mission. 
you know? Maybe that's why he did it in the ready room and not on the bridge so that all the other people wouldn't get all upset going, I do my job every day, asshole. Where's my shoulder rub, Picard? <laughs> oh, I guess I I guess I don't have boobs like Deanna Troy. Okay. <laughs> I'm done with this episode. You said I missed a big one. What was the big one that I missed? I was waiting for you to get to the skeleton guns because that was sort of like oh, okay. la- last time when you were teasing up to the show, you were just like, now this one, like, you know, the 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 parasite creatures get killed has a very, you know, we've got a very creative death coming up. And I'd forgotten that you said that. And then when it happened to the show, I'm like, oh, this must be what he was talking about. And yes, uh, as a matter of fact, it was so- my high point of the show. <laughs> sorry, sorry it wasn't uh, that it didn't quite live up to the hype. It would have been a little better if it hit the uh, hit the ginger, but ah, what can you do? <laughs> well, I know what we should do. I think we should take a little piss break and awesome. come back with the shitzoid man. Far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous.
Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. Cannot get your ship out. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Fuck Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays. Available the first Monday of every month at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com. We would be honored if you would join. Hello, we're back. <laughs> Sorry, that is cheesy. I'm going to start that over. <laughs> you don't have to. Okay, I won't. It's so Star Trek Monthly Monday number 39, creeping up on our 40th episode. And <gasps> we, you're in the second half of the Next Generation show where we're going to review the shitzoid man the shitzoid pants <laughs> the shitzoid pants first aired the week of january 23rd 1989 next time on star trek the next generation there are two disparate personalities within lieutenant commander data data is invaded by the soul of a dead scientist i will never have to face death again are you hurting me? That turns him into an alien Jekyll and Hyde. Data is dead. Who's next? And triggers a violent assault on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Hey, I just noticed it was directed by Les Landau. Didn't he direct uh, some original series episodes? Or It sounds, just... the name sounds familiar name sounds for sure. Familiar. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <clears throat> so the... Um... Synopsis on this one. Dr. Noonien Soong may have been Data's father, but the brilliant Dr. Ira Graves turns out to be Soong's mentor and Data's grandfather. As, uh, you know what? I have actually have an issue with that, but I'll get into that in my notes. Graves is dying of a terminal illness when the Enterprise uh, answers his young female aide's call for help on their secluded research world. Once he arrives on the planet, Data becomes close with Graves leading the genius to reveal his last breakthrough, a device capable of transferring a human personality into a computer. Can you see where this one's going? Graves dies, and his assistant, Kareen... Kareen Brienne... Is that her name? I, I thought it was Colleen. I thought it was Kareen. Oh, Kareen. Okay, that's sort of... Yeah, Kareen. I thought they said Colleen. I guess I misheard him. See, I am deaf. I told you. Huh? Is <laughs> evacuated. But Data begins to act irrational, even accusing Picard of lusting after the beautiful Kareen. Oh, come on, wouldn't you? A diagnostic check of Data reveals nothing. That's because Data conducts his own check. That Anyway. <laughs> but Troy performs a psych test that shows two competing personalities fighting to control Data. His own and Graves's. Meanwhile... Kareen is shocked when Graves slash Data tells her of the transference, his love for her, and his plans to make her immortal by transferring her consciousness into another android body, which she refuses to consider. That triggers his violent denial of the wrongness of his plans. After unintentionally crushing her hand, he hides in engineering, 
rendering LaForge and then aid unconscious before Picard discovers him. Graves knocks out Picard uh, for arguing for the release of Data's body, but when the captain comes to, he finds that cyberneticist has reconsidered and put himself into the Enterprise computer as simple Data. And that's uh, the shitzoid pants. So what did you what did you think about this one? I like this one a lot more. I, I, I was watching this going, I don't think Scott's going to like this one <laughs> very much because it's a data, data... I think this one, the exploration of data's consciousness and stuff, I think this one's a lot better, a lot less goofy than the Sherlock Holmes one, you know, than elementary Dear Data. Um... But it really stretches credibility in a lot of stuff. But it's Star Trek The Next Generation. So, you know, just just the fact, you know, okay, so say you've written your software to put all to put your brain into a computer and then data shows up. You can't tell me in 15 minutes he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I can just dump it. Oh, I'll dump it into you instead of this. There's, they've got to be two, compl- you know, different... You know, is data running the same operating system? You know, is is this? You know, I mean, seems like a serious risk to if you're gonna do something like that to do it. But you need to do the story. I'm surprised it took them so long to figure out that he was in Data's body because he didn't even try. He wasn't even like you know when Captain Kirk gets you know uh, possessed by a woman and she at least try, <laughs> tries to be Captain Kirk. And now I'm thinking his disease, his brain had degraded enough into insanity by the time that he got into data that he wasn't, you know, he didn't have boundaries. He didn't know enough to, to not turn around and and say something to Picard or mutter something underneath his breath to the captain. You know what I mean? It was just very... Very strange. It's funny. The first time he mouths off to Picard, I thought Picard was about to put his boot up his ass. That's <laughs> like one of the first times I've ever seen. I'm like, Jesus, Picard, take some of this aggression. You know, use some of this aggression when you're out fighting your enemies. You know, you're gonna right. kick your shipmates' ass. You know, I would have. I would have wanted to put my boot up Data's ass too in, in, in that context. But um, I thought it, it. It just like it made a little more sense. You know, to have in, I, I liked that he was sort of inside Data, and Data was gone. Basically, he took over. It wasn't, which made Deanna's um, assessment of two fighting personalities kind of didn't make any sense. Because when Data's woke, when they get him out of there, or when you know he's he's gone and Data comes back, Data is like, "Where am I? What happened? You know, I don't know anything that happens." And it's like, then your personality wasn't competing, you know. Otherwise, it would have <laughs> right. been you would have had a little. <laughs> That's a good point. You would have had a little Data coming out here, or you know, you would have had him having to struggle with being in Data's body, but he wasn't struggling at all. He was. He seemed to be pretty stable and you know stably in the body not stable mentally but um i i i i kind of i kind of like this this episode i like i like i like the data consciousness stuff even if it gets goofy i like that i like science fiction that goes in that direction so this 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 was pretty interesting and and 
and it was it was kind of nuanced because he wasn't a scene chewing bad guy so much as somebody who's just sort of tragically degraded by the time they 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 do their thing and i thought i i wouldn't have had him put his himself into the ship's computer as data which that the way they said that i don't know if that's exactly what he did i got the impression i got the impression that he didn't put himself in the ship's computer but that he had his computer from the planet up there too Remember that sort of white computer you were showing data? Right. I, th- I I swear I saw that on the and the Enterprise at the end, and maybe they had a screen above it, you know, where you saw his name and stuff popping up. But uh, I would have just had him die, you know. That's the thing is he was it was all about him being like I. There's no way I'm gonna die. I, I'm afraid to die, and I want to live forever. And at the end, when he's you know when he realizes that he's just gonna keep fucking people up you know that he's fucked up three or four people now in a relatively short period of time and he realizes Picard's right you know how many more accidents are there gonna be and that you know I think it would be a lot more intense and profound if he was like okay it's time to die you know right and now now, uh, uh, you know I don't want to do it but I realize I have to you know that would have been a a, the uh arc but instead he sort of still skirts death by by going into a computer so yeah i i i would i would have i would have tw- tweaked that it's it, in in some ways it's kind of like a tweaked um different version of data lore there's a lot of uh, elements of data lore except you just don't have two datas but you have the good data bad data you know i mean Data Data's the Spock of this one. They you know, after the first season they probably realized Data Lore was a really popular episode, you know, and, and the and Data was a really popular character. So this season has definitely been very data heavy. You know, right off the bat. So right. they they probably came into it going, you know, let's really focus on data. He's a he's a popular character, you know. I'm not right. I'm not I, it seems like Riker has taken a little step back in season two as far as focus. You see, it, it, we're, we're almost seeing a little bit more of uh, Data and Jordy and Deanna and the Doctor in in season two. And uh, who is the Klingon woman? The other Doctor. The Vulcan? The Vulcan Klingon. The, it's yeah. funny you should say that because... Uh... Yeah, she's a Vulcan. That's Doctor Salar. This is her Salar, first appearance, that's right. and that's not the last time we're going to see that actress again because she'll come back in a little while, and she will play a Klingon. She ends up playing. Um, oh, I think her name is Kalar, and uh, spoiler, she ends up uh, having a kid with Worf. Because I saw her, and I'm like, is this? Because she just had that feel. Of some, but the the way she showed up, it was sort of like she had the feel of this is going to be a new, uh, right. a continuing character, and I'm thinking, right. am I forgetting a continuing character? I know I haven't seen a lot of these episodes, but you know, I I because I w- I'm looking at her and I'm like, you know, she looks like she might be more like I'm thinking, does she later turn up in Voyager, Deep Space Nine, or something? She's the one of the doctors um, in that Titan novel series. 
after this episode, I think we only ever see her once or twice, and I know she's mentioned by name a couple of times, but she never really. I wish you know, they would have used her off. more. She yeah, seemed kind of interesting. She, uh, so according to something I was looking at, uh, the writer of this episode actually wanted her to become a, a more important character and wanted to develop a relationship between her and War. I think you could sort of tell that, that that there was that desire to do that, the way she was included in the story, you know, the way right. they, they did it. Right. Especially with uh, with uh, Diana Maldair being there as Pulaski... Yeah, it was this doctor that went down to the planet. So yeah, right. def- well they had the whole they had the whole like we we need her up on the ship on this guy, right? But uh, but yeah, I like her. Uh, I, I like that actress. I can't remember what her name is. And then you know, like I say, she comes back and plays uh, Kalar, and I like Kalar. She she was a really good character too. Part of you know a lot of the thing with her is that. You know, she was able able to actually express some of that sassiness that you could kind of feel boiling beneath the surface with with Salar. Yet, you know, the actress wasn't you know wasn't allowed to, to play with that. Yeah, at all. yeah. I think this this episode has one of the most uncomfortable moments in a good way in all of Star Trek, and that was where Data does the eulogy. Over the doctor, well, the doctor's really doing his own eulogy, but they right. all think it's data. That was some inappropriate shit. <laughs> that is just super in like you. Know, and I remember what I can't believe that it went on as long as it did before Picard goes, "No, data, you're you're done." <laughs> did you see the look that data gives him as he's walking down off the transporter platform? Yeah. It was great. Just this great, like, you prick look. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> this, uh, I, I, I felt so proud that I caught something in this one that I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. I had to go back and watch it several times to make sure I was, I was seeing what I thought I was seeing. This episode starts with Pulaski giving a log and walking through the, the corridors of the ship. And she walks down, and we we are wa- walking along with her, and then the perspective changes, and we as the viewer are inside the turbo lift, looking down the hallway as she gets into the turbo lift. Doors close. She's just standing there for a moment or two. Then the doors reopen, and it's the bridge, and she exits onto the bridge. I don't know why. I guess I was just pay- paying extra close attention for whatever reason. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. How did they do that? They they spun the elevator. They spun the floor she was on. That's what I was thinking at first. That's exactly what I was thinking is that they did it the same way that the old Enterprise playset toy used to work, that they just turned the thing. But I kept watching it, trying to figure out exactly how it was done. And it's actually blue screen. But it's it's about the best blue screen I think I've ever seen. Because the only thing that gives it away is there there are no matte lines or anything. But there's a slight, like, sheen to her hair. Yeah, okay. Where where it looks kind of cut out, you know? Like, Like you'll get with that blue screen effect. Other than that. I mean, if you're not watching for it, you won't catch it. It's a it's I a didn't, beautiful thing. I didn't and, even uh, notice. I didn't even notice that whole. I didn't even notice it. It was so seamless that I would just like went along with it. You know. 
I mean, it's it's either a blue screen effect or it's a rear projection, but I'm pretty sure it's blue screen. And she does. She walks out of one blue screen on one deck and then walks into a blue screen on another deck. And it's seamless and a great effect. I was really impressed with it. Um, retroactively, I have something nice to say about Loud as a Whisper. I didn't realize until this episode started that there wasn't any Wesley Crusher in Loud as a Whisper, so it's not without some redeeming Oh, and the last qualities. episode just had a, you know, basically navigating around and, like, talking to Data a little bit, but he was... Was he, he even there? I don't think he was in it. He was in the, he was, he was in the last one. Or no, he was in the he was in this one, because he's in this one, but he wasn't in the last. Okay, one. okay, because I remember in this one he was ribbing data about his about his eulogy a little bit. Right, I mean if he if he was in loud as a whisper, he never spoke. You know, I mean he was like you know at his station and never said anything. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he wasn't even there. I I I don't remember seeing him because like I say, the first time I saw Wesley in this because I watched these episodes back to back. When I, the first scene I saw Wesley, I was like, hey, that's right. Wesley wasn't in the last one. Well, chalk one up for loud as a whisper then. <laughs> um, the whole beard thing at the beginning, uh, that was just one of the – this episode – I wanted to see him with me. I wanted to see him walk in with the beard. and fi- It would have been a lot better scene if it was Riker in the beard Riker, yes, and yeah. going, what are you copying me, Data? You know, I'm flattered that you're – and it would have been a nice little reference to him – having the beard all of a sudden and and you know and Riker going oh Data's emulating me you know that would have been a real Riker would have been really pleased with that whole thing more than Jordy who was just sort of cracking up you know I just this this episode has a lot of grown worthy moments for me and that was a huge one it was just that whole you know, this this is the O oh, Data TV show, you know, the, you know, oh Data. And yeah. that was that moment for this episode. And it was just like, come on, really? It was it was pretty bad, I thought. <laughs> Something I want to see to make my Star Trek a little more realistic. Just once, I wish they had given me this. All right. And this happened a million times in Star Trek. All right, so you got the guys on the bridge and they're, you know, the captain and everybody, and they're all conferring right there on the bridge and they're all chit chatting. So, what, what should we do? Well, I don't know. What do you think we should do? I don't know. What, what do you think we should do? Well, I think we should do this. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Okay. Uh, Ensign Crusher, make it so just once I want to have somebody turn and go, I, I'm sorry, man, I totally wasn't listening. What'd you say? <laughs> you know, they always know exactly what the plan and what's going on. You I, know, I was watching some cartoons on my screen. But <laughs> exactly. Catch, catch you know, me I, up. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I was totally spacing. What you? What were you guys talking about? <laughs> Just once. Come on. Um, let's see. Again, this is another thing that could have really made this episode uh, much more realistic. Is the moment where. I forget who it is. I think it's Riker that issues the warning. Hey, by the way, we're at warp and we're going to be doing this beaming thing. So it's going to get a little freaky, weird, intense for you. And I think it's Troy that says something about Wait, what, 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 what's going to happen just yeah, as they're yeah. about to beam. And, the, and as they start to beam, somebody says, oh, you'll see. Data. I, Whoa, hey, no, what the hell with that, dude? No, I don't think so. You're going to tell me what's going to go on before I like risk my life on this shitty piece of technology. It would have been really funny if they looked at her like, oh, yeah, just before they beamed, you go, oh, yeah, last time I shit my drawers when that happened, literally. 
that would have been a great scene. <laughs> or you know, just mess with her a little bit more than yeah. telling her that. You know, something like you know, well, you, you know, you might wind up inside out. You you might not. I you know, I, I it's just, it's fifty fifty. You know. <laughs> yeah. Remember Star Trek One? Yeah. Well, well, that's what could happen. <laughs> I really like the scene with data data and his grandpa just having the 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 discussion before the grandfather died and he's all you know he's being all cynical and grumpy and politically incorrect he's like in especially well it's there's no no lack of sexism in in uh the original star trek you got kirk you know checking out his ensign's butts and stuff but this one, with with uh, uh, what was his line? Women aren't people; they're women. They're women. You very, you know, it's just very rare that you see a character who's kind of a sexist in in uh, in Star Trek like that. This kind of an unapologetic old crusty. He's old. He's dying. He doesn't. He doesn't give care. A shit. He, I like. I like old people like that. When yeah. they get to that age, where it's like, ah, I'll say whatever the hell I want. Yeah, say. you get the truth for once, you know. Yeah. And and I I like that scene. I I there there was a lot. You know, he was, at, he was testing out. You know, he was testing the waters with Data and seeing. You know what, if he was going to be able to jump into him. But he was also just honestly like fascinated with. You know, data as a as a piece of machinery, and he was trying to put him through his paces. And it was and and since he was also you know the mentor of Noonien Singh, he sort I I liked how he was just like immediately was like ah yes I know you you know, you know I can tell just by the way you're built that Singh built you you know I love that I I, I that's that makes sense to me that's like an artist or a you know or somebody who's really into their craft he sees it you know he can see his he's basically saying i see my own handiwork in you except nunian was kind of boring compared to me and he made you kind of dull looking <laughs> i had an issue with that though now granted you know we haven't gotten to the episode yet where we actually meet nunian soon we will get there i don't know if you've ever seen that one or not but nunian soon does I eventually keep on come on the nunian show sing for some reason and I like that episode a whole lot. I mean, I guess it could still work theoretically, but w- when we meet Noonien Soong, he's something like the high side of a hundred. He's he's right. like Yoda, you know. He's ancient, and every- he's far far older than Graves is. So unless it's a situation like you know, Graves Soong was a had super genius. Sort of super genius, or you know, Soong had a career change late in his life or something. The math doesn't really add up, but I mean, you, you can overlook it. It still sort of works, and, it, and of course, you know, this is one of those things of, you know, Trek winging its history on the fly. But still, you know, when you when you take it all in retrospect, and how long, uh, you know, Noonien Soong had had an interest in cybernetics, and then they even ended up tying into that and on Enterprise, where one of his ancestors basically started the family interest in cybernetic it doesn't quite add up that he learned everything he knew from graves you know yes. i'm sure that they expected this to be pretty much a forgotten yes they may trip by that point they may have not even thought noonian soon was going to ever show up yeah in the that's show true at too. that point there's a moment here a missed opportunity now as much as i liked kareen and i have nothing against her personally i think it would have been 
awesome. The part where she looks at Worf and says, are you a Romulan? If he had just reached down and twisted her head around backwards. I think that would have been great. <laughs> um, that actor that played Graves, again, I don't know what his name is. I didn't bother to look it up, but uh, you've seen, I know you've seen Star Trek VI. I don't know yes. how, how recently you've seen Not it. Not in a long time. But Kirk and McCoy get sentenced to Rura Pente, that, that uh, like... Penal colony. Winter, penal colony. Yeah, it's a wintertime asteroid or something like that. It's the a- the guy that I don't know if he's supposed to be the warden. It's I call it Space him Siberia. They said Space him Siberia. Yeah, I don't know if he's supposed to be the warden or just like the head, you know, badass uh, security guard or whatever. But he's he's the Klingon guy. I think he's scarred or has one eye or something like that. He's the one that tracks them down with like those snarly like space dog looking things yeah. just before they get beamed up to the Enterprise. That's the same actor. Oh. That, that was that Klingon guy that He's played got Griffin. kind of a squinky eye to start with. <laughs> yeah, one squinky eye. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. He's he's freaky He's got one of those droopy eyes. Yeah, he did look like he was dying of a degenerative <laughs> disease for <laughs> <He> sure. <laughs> he really got into his role. <laughs> um I love the line about the lady the lady killer thing cracked me up cuz it was very much like uh in that episode um the the neutral zone where uh, data is recounting the job descriptions of the of the people that they were you know the humans from the 21st or from the 20th rather from the 20th century that they brought back and he got to the woman and said you know whatever her name was house uh, housemaker and said oh some kind of construction Carpenter, work there was a line yeah. Like, yeah there was some line like that here where grave said that in his youth he'd been a lady killer and data said something like or you actually condone homicide or something like that. It was funny. It was it was a quick little one-liner that was, you know, you, you blink and you miss it, but it was actually funny. I got a kick out of that. And you can almost see that he thought, he, he, was, he was very amused that Data did that, and you could almost see him go, oh, of course he would take that literally. Yes, okay. Right. And maybe thinking, I got to put verbal quotes around that stuff, so he starts running searches as a phrase rather than taking them literally. Now, I don't want to sound racist most of the time, but... Uh, <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I'm treading dangerous territory. I uh, I don't think Vulcans make the best doctors. You know, Salar... Bedside manner, yeah, no. Shitty bedside manner here. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're dying in like a week. Yeah, thanks. He knew that, though. He was just like, yep. <laughs> he did, but still, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. Um... They use that warp, uh, yeah, warp effect. Warp effect again. Remember the one we were we were commenting on? I think it was the very first episode of this season where it, we were in ten forward and they go to warp. Yes, it is because it's that's the episode where where Whoopi Goldberg talks Wesley out of leaving the ship and we were so pissed about, or I was so pissed about it. I don't know about you, I was upset about that. But yeah, they use the same one again when uh, when Kareen goes to ten forward. Uh, she sees the ship go into warp. I thought that was pretty cool. Spiner, uh, Brent Spiner that plays Data, he's damn creepy when he does these evil Data stories like this. I mean, he really brings the the. I think that's why he got so many evil Data stories is they were like, ooh, we got to use this, you know. And and it's also, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's the same, same idea as, you know, Spock getting hit with the spores. It was always a lot of fun in to see those characters you know 
get unhinged, you know. It was good to, you know, when the, the there were always interesting episodes when Spock was laughing and crying and humping ladies and stuff and and when Data gets you know, what what whatever, anything that 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 starts putting human emo, uh, in personality in him no matter how temporary is always just sort of I think ratings wise uh, a very appealing and tempting thing for them to do in 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 Star Trek the Next Generation you know they they, they I I mean I, I I have to believe that they were sitting around going all right he's our Spock you know so mm-hmm. we have to we have to use it and and you know and and plus with the Next Generation there was a lot of you know. Star Trek fans working on it. So they, they were like, you know, now we can maybe explore some things that we never got to see Spock do with Data, you know. So I I, I think they were always looking for, so you know, I think they pretty much creamed in their jeans when they got to put the, the emotion chip in Data's head in the movie, you know. Which which, right. which one was that? That was, was it? Generations. It was Generations, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, so I I mean I think I think that I think they purposely I I would think they purposely put these last few really data centric episodes right out there right at the beginning of season two because they were like, all right, the results are in for season one, data's a big hit. Let's 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 push data right up into the front right in the beginning of this and uh, see how that works. See how what that does with the ratings, you know, because they're. I mean, they're 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 still they're still flipping around a little bit, you know. They 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 got their changes that they came into the season with, but you can tell they're still keeping their eye on on little tweaks and and twists. Right. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know the uh, the funeral scene frightened me in this in this episode. It, it really really did. You know. We've been friends a long time, you and I. I mean, over 30 years we've been friends. And, and you know, I, I, I feel closer to you than just, just about any other human being alive. And I think one of the reasons that we've been such close friends all these years is that, you know, like, like brothers do, we, we got each other's back. We look out for each other and, and we, you know, you know we, we, we just are there for each other. And so I, I want you to promise me right now that, you know, should anything ever happen to me, you you won't let them bury me in tinfoil, okay? <laughs> I know. I I don't know about the whole like let's let's leave their body to the coldness of space either, you know? That doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, we've been burying people at sea for thousands true. of years. But what does bother me is that I don't want to be found ten thousand years from now floating out in space wrapped in friggin' tinfoil. What the hell was that outfit they had on him? He didn't have a nice blue suit they could bury him in? How, how convenient that this conversation came up because I was at I wasn't at a funeral. I was at calling hours of a for before a funeral yesterday. That's what I did yesterday morning for I'm Sorry, I forgot all <laughs> I wouldn't you have bastard. Done all that. No, no, no. It works it it, it works out perfectly. <laughs> it's so awesome. It worked my friend's death worked perfectly into our podcast. You are a cold. He would be cold, no. Cold I guarantee you, he would be laughing his ass off I, that I, I would be doing this right now. Humor. I think he would have seen the humor in this He's, situation. Yes, he was a very um, he was a very humorous and um, 
uh, what's the word I'm sir irreverent person. So, you know, I, I, and, and okay. So I went to the calling hours and everybody's, you know, everybody who's been to a funeral knows you go and see the body. They have them in their nice suit. They do their hair, you know, they make them look as close, you know, they're dead, <laughs> but they make them look like that, you know, as close as they did at their peak in life. This, right. This guy looks like actually like maybe it was like, you know, Disney style where we're putting you on dry ice or something. You know, it's like, let's shave his head and, and wrap him in tinfoil around his head and and stick him in this coffin that just has like it reminds me. I don't know. Have you ever seen Dark Star? John Carpenter's no. first movie. They have the captain of the ship is dead, and they have his head frozen, and they but he can still. It's attached to a computer, so they can talk to him. And that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of somebody just. He looked awful. He looked. He looked worse than he did uh, at when he was dying. You know, <laughs> it, I don't think they even shaved him. You know what I mean? It wasn't a very. It wasn't a very and. And I can understand if he was just some guy that died, nobody knew him, but they had his assistant there who obviously loved like loved him at least as a as a father friend, you know, maybe not in love with him or or whatever, but they were very close. And they just sort of give him, you know, I mean, let's not even consider Data's you know, speech during it being horribly inappropriate. But just sort of, I mean, it's the equivalent of just sort of throwing someone in a tin can and going, you know, uh, icy spicy, uma zuma, hocus pocus, <laughs> bye, out, and boop, kick him out the door, and then like, all right, what's on TV? You know, it was, it, it just, he, he looked like he was getting unceremoniously dumped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very and, much so. Yeah. And, uh, I will make sure when you die that the that the that the funeral home knows that you want to be dressed in a clown suit with your favorite honky horn clutched to your <laughs> chest. With I'm totally okay with being with a picture of Deanna Troy to the right side. No, 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 no. I, I'm I'm totally cool. Picture being Picture Grant Morrison my, uh, to the left. <laughs> ten ten reasons why Kirk is better than Picard T-shirt. Actually, no, uh-huh. I would I would not mind being found in that in uh, you know in ten thousand years. You or better something. be buried in your two true freaks T-shirt, man. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> um, hey, you know, kudos to Picard in this. He totally pulls a Kirk on Corey, or at least he attempts to. Anyway, oh yeah, he's on her tip, man. That funeral is over. He's putting his arm around her. Yeah. And he's like, let, let me comfort you. Which is not something he usually... He's he's Mr. Standoffish. She's Mr. Awkward around other people, you know. But he was just like, hi. Do you like... <laughs> I, you know, I know he was a lot older, but I'm only a little bit older. <laughs> I, have a, I have a whole starship, too. I was just going to say that. I have a starship, you know. But uh, yeah, it was funny. He was obvious. I mean, I'm sure they played it up so that the the jealousy scene would be better. But yeah, he was yeah he was working it. I'm gonna start a new segment called "We're All Stupid This Week," where we point out the the moments in the show where the where the the characters just get especially dumb and do something that's you know so obvious to the rest of us that they're doing it wrong. In this one, they do that that typical TV thing where 
it's obvious something's not going right, yet they just continue to ignore the problem. There's that great little conversation between, I'm pretty sure it's Picard and Troy that are having the conversation. And one or the other of them expresses that they are, quote-unquote, concerned. But then, eh, they just decide that they're going to let Data continue to roam the, you know, have free roam of the ship. And then a little bit later in the conversation, again, one of the two of them, I forget which one it is, I think it's Deanna, says, well, I hope, meaning, you know, I, I hope it's all going to, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, Okay, so let's let's just continue to just let this situation go along and see if oh you know he kills all of us or something. You know, it's like, all right, you know something's wrong. Why are you just going to let it continue to to go on along the way that, especially with somebody like Dave? Well, you know, in their defense, though, the episode with Soong hasn't happened yet. When that happens, what happens at the beginning of that episode when Data basically? shows just how powerful he is when he he basically circumvents the entire ship to get to the surface of the planet. After that point, I wouldn't screw around with Data at any point in the future after that when he seems like he might even ha- be having the slightest malfunction. Because yeah, I'd have a remote shutoff switch or something. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I they really should have done that. They should have come up with... Uh, what did they call it in Star Wars? The, um, um, ah, damn, you know, the thing they put on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I want to say motivator, but it's not. It's, yeah. uh, um, um, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, the, the restraining bolt. Restraining bolt. Yeah, they should have come up with something like that, like a, like a, basically a remote that would shut data down if he ever malfunctioned. They really should have done that because I'm telling you, dude, when we get to that episode, it's going to blow your mind what data does to get to the surface of the planet. And after that point, they should have realized that, yeah, he's our friend. Yeah, he's usually pretty cool, but evil data, damn scary concept, you know? Well, yeah, the same could be said maybe for Worf during Pon Far too. Though <laughs> <laughs> he's a Klingon, he's a Klingon. He oh shit! Have- no, or during no. running season or something, yeah. you know? Or- <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, it could be said for anybody, but I guess my point is especially Data. You know, yes. at the end of the day, he's an emotionless machine. You know, it, it it wouldn't take too much to make him the Terminator, you know? Yes, right. you, you got to think about these things, or at least they should. That's my point. They should, and they don't. Um, I thought the engineering scan was awesome, because while it's just around his head at the beginning of that scene, I believed it. I was like, how are they doing that? That's really cool. And then when they scan down over his body, it looks a little less realistic but when that blue beam thing is coming out and just going around uh, Data's head, I mean, that looks like a practical effect. Yeah, I mean, it's it a really, very nice effect. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good effect. Um, did you notice that the vast majority of the images used for the mental scan were actually from Star Trek II? Most of them were from the Genesis, uh, you know, the Genesis Project tape there that you know that Kirk and uh, Spock and McCoy watch in Star Trek II. You know, the little. What used to be a very futuristic uh, uh, bit of computer CGI animation, yeah, animation, yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, a, a lot of it was from that. I was actually surprised by how much they they used. Yeah, I I thought that could have been done a little better. It looked a little cheesy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it did. And yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that that didn't work. Although I and and I noticed there was a quick shot of uh, what's her name, the the dead security officer. I can't remember her name. Oh, Tasha was Tasha, there. I, there was a quick shot of Tasha's. It was, I believe, it was a shot of her from when they were watching the post- posthumous hologram of her. And, oh, wow. and I was like, why did they just show her? And I'm like, oh, they're popping that in there because data knew her, you know? So it was like right. the computer was like, oh, we'll throw up some pictures of people he knows. And she was someone who died, so they're trying to see what his reaction is to it. Which I couldn't figure out. I, actually, I wasn't really sure whether it was a computer showing stuff to him and gauging his reaction or if that was what he was seeing, you know, I don't think. That's, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I, I lean more towards it. They were showing the images to him to see the reaction because, okay, I could see maybe like hooking up sensors to Data's brain and then downloading it into video. But I haven't seen any of that in Star Trek yet where, like, it's like, yeah. I had a great dream. You want to see the videotape of it, you know, or yeah, something I don't, like that? I don't – I could be wrong, but I don't think that they ever get to that. I, I You know, we'll, we'll have to watch for that, but I know that there is a, a really good uh, a really good episode. I want to say it's a two-parter. I think it's the one – again, I could be confusing episodes, but I think it's the one that's actually a crossover episode with DS9 where data dreams and you would think that if they had the technology to see what's data seeing in his head that 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 would be the time to use it and i don't think they do so uh, but i don't know we'll, we'll keep a watch for it anyway but uh if if i'm not if i'm not confusing multiple episodes into one storyline I, I think that's the one where where dr bashir is on the ship and it's actually that i, I actually like that quite a bit because as much as i don't really care for ds9 i actually liked bashir i thought he was a pretty cool character um, could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is the first time that they've used the tell me panels um, since the pilot. And the same thing with the um, that little lift in engineering, that little like half elevator thing, <laughs> the really slow elevator. Really slow. Yeah, it's funny you say that because Scotty said the same thing. He said, "Man, that elevator is really slow." That uh, that's probably been used. It's the first time I made note of it being used since the pilot. But I I'm almost a hundred percent sure that uh that this was the first use of the tell me panel since because we were just commenting on that like an episode or two ago uh-huh. how there were concepts that were really cool in the pilot that it seemed like they never used again well there you go with the with the tell me panel because i thought that was actually i mean that's something we have today you know where you can go up and you know hit a button or a, you know a touch screen or something and go okay you know show me this. I mean, somebody was showing me their phone at work the other day could do stuff like that. They could actually hit a button and talk to the phone and the phone talked back to Siri. Them. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was actually really impressive. Um, I thought it was a little creepy, to be honest with you, but it, I mean, impressive technology, yes. but a little creepy. Well, I'm I sure this... it's only going to get creepier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, wait till it's like human looking. That's that's where we're going to get into really weird territory, or really hot territory. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little too weird and pat and ending on this one, where after Graves puts himself in the computer, the the comment is made that it's just raw data that uh, the human equation has been lost. 
and then it's like there's a short pause, and it's like, well, on to the next mission. Da, da, like, da, da, da. <laughs> I don't even take a moment to like, well, oh, that was sad. I wish we could have done something. To, you know, nothing. No remorse, no nothing, no feeling. Just, okay, well, th- this has all, you know, been resolved and swept under the rug, so let's let's keep going. Um, Did you have anything else on this one? Because my last note Not is really. a freaking doozy. It's a doozy. doozy. Yes, it is. I really like Picard's speech to Graves in engineering. Everything he says rings more or less true to a point about, you know, Data is a unique life form. You know, yes, he may be a machine, but I consider him a valuable, you know, person and it's not fair what you're doing to him, blah, 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 blah. While I do very strictly, let me make this very plain, very strictly consider Data to be a machine. He's not alive, doesn't have a soul. At the same rate, I like Data. I got nothing against the guy. And I, I you know, I think it would be wrong if somebody just came in and said, well, you know, he's just a stupid soulish machine. And so let me put my important ego into this thing right. and live the rest of my life. I, yeah, that is wrong. And I agree with everything Picard says. However, got to be said, and I don't want to go into this too awful much because I know I where plan, you're going, and I think I agree I, with you. I plan for this to be Exhibit A: Why everything in um, Measure of a Man, an episode I really, really like, at the end of the day, proves to be kind of eh, it's kind of bullshit because you and I read in preparation for Trek 09, we read the Countdown miniseries. Right. Now, granted, it's a comic book, but I think you could make a really, really, really strong argument for that all being in canon because the movie leads directly out of that miniseries. We even pointed out ourselves that without reading that miniseries, the movie doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Right, right. In that comic series, I think it was the second issue, if I'm not mistaken, Data's back. Now, Data died. In generations, he got blowed the hell up. So it's not like he, you know, they could just go to you know the Genesis planet and bring him back. He was blowed up. He was dead. But he had just prior to all that. It wasn't generations, not generations. Oh, I'm sorry. I say generations. Um, um, insurrection. Insurrection. Yeah. Um, he had downloaded himself basically to his younger retarded brother before, and in an attempt to kind of upgrade him and make him more or less normal. And it didn't take. Although at the end of that, you know, that movie, we saw little hints that maybe one day it would. Well, somewhere in that interim, it did. And I pulled something up on this today because I wanted to be really sure of myself in, 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 in my argument here, basically. This is what I found out. It says, The Return of Data says the Soong Foundation science team and Geordi LaForge worked to subvert his personality, meaning B4s, in favor of the data personality. The group managed to unravel the data matrix, allowing for all of data's memories, personality, and experiences to override B4s. When data first returned to consciousness, he refused to allow himself to exist at the expense of his brother's life. He therefore created a program in his mind to destroy his own consciousness before it destroyed B4s. However, B4 commandeered the program and, having heard that Data was crucial to the war with the Undyne, whoever the hell they are, deleted himself before Data could stop him. 
Data therefore survived in B4's body. I, I think that makes a, a really powerful. It, it this actually goes. I'm kind of tipping my hand here because this really goes to my argument against the ultimate decision that's made in Measure of a Man. But I also I'm I'm bringing this up to kind of point out the hypocrisy that or maybe not even so much hypocrisy of change premise. You know, this is a huge change premise that Picard is making this argument that you have no right to take this body, yet this is exactly what ends up happening later on when Data comes back. Yeah, now, well, it, Picard isn't really in the equation of that, you know. Yeah, it sounds like he's not. Yeah, it really does sound like he's not. Um, I mean, that episode's further off than, you know, a lot of what I'm going to say about this will probably be kind of forgotten by then. Hell, I'll probably forget it myself. So I'll just say that basically my argument that I plan to bring up when we get to Measure of a Man is this, that imagine that, uh, you know, you, you've got two two brothers, you know, just two normal human beings, right? And one of them's, you know, perfectly normal guy. One of them's retarded. Normal guy dies. Doctor says to the family, you know, I, I can give your boy back. But uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to need the retarded kid's body. What what is the moral conundrum there? You know what what is the moral implications of 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 the family saying yes to a situation? I don't. Like- I, I personally, I just don't see a family actually saying yes to a situation. I could see the you know it's like, well, a fa- you know a family, especially a, a a retarded son, is a son. You know, exactly. And a normal son is a son, and the normal son dies. It's you know, unless they're a really mentally messed up people, you know, it's right. it's yeah. And well, that's what I th- when I when he was when when his body was in data, I was almost like, well, I I don't know if Picard can really argue that he should get out. You know, it's it's sort of like maybe it was wrong for you to get in there, but you're in there. And if we right. take you out, we're killing you. Right. You're dead. Uh, he, I, I think I think they removed some of that conundrum by making him dead already. You know, he was doomed anyway. He had a he had a disease that, you know, uh that even their their technology couldn't cure. You know, he was just out he was supposed quote unquote supposed to die. So it was a little easier to say, Hey, get out of there. But then again, they didn't remove him from data either. He removed himself. So that that those two things sort of removed a lot of what could have been a an interesting moral quandary in the show of like, you know, it might have actually brought some of the issues of measure of a man out early. You know, of like, you know, is is data? I mean, Picard stated it, but that's Picard's opinion. That was Picard saying, well, you know, we consider him this and that. But, you know, the reality of it is you've got a human consciousness in Data now. And Data wasn't a human consciousness before this. Who trumps who, you know? I mean, does Data just trump him because he was there first? Even though, really, Data doesn't, you know... I mean, Data shouldn't care whether he lives or dies. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Was he built with some sort of... I mean, he's built to defend himself and stuff but is he built with some sort of he's doesn't seem to be built with like fear of death or 
Well, I'm sure he has a survival in- instinct. Right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily come down to, to fear of death. It would just come down to you know your your basic. Yeah, you try know. to keep yourself alive. Yeah, the law of robotics. Laws of yeah. robotics of like try to keep yourself alive, but you know preserve human life at all costs. You know. I think they were going very much with the uh, Asmovian um, law of robotics model. Yeah, yeah, yeah very and, much so. Which you know those laws, the laws of robotics would have probably pretty much if data was in the equation of you know whether he should be in his body or not the laws of robotics would probably have had to say no the doctor's got to stay in your body you know because mm-hmm. you cannot through action or inaction allow harm to come to a human being so yeah it could have been you know i mean like like in the last one with the with the um ship's computer or the the holodeck having consciousness it's like the it's like the junk food you know they've only got 42 minutes to explore it so you only right. get the cliff you can't go into it as in it as deep as as you'd like but uh i thought they did a better job in this one of making it wasn't as cartoony as or or just ridiculous as elementary my dear data or elementary dear data Mm-hmm. You know, it it, it actually it actually ha- was had a little more depth to it, but it could have had a lot more. You know, in a, and I I wouldn't say well, like if it was a they, movie, but if it was a book, they could have really gone into it into that a lot deeper. And well, that scenario that you just posed is a hell of a lot deeper and more interesting to me than what we got. The the scenario of okay, what if a a living person put themselves into data? But removing them would kill them. That's an interesting question because then it comes down to, you know, while I, I, I agree with with Picard's basic argument, if this means killing an actual human being, which, you know, in, in my belief system, humans have souls, you're basically condemning this soul to death, whereas Data, as much as it would suck to lose Data because I like the character and everything, at the end, end of the day, he's a soulless machine. That's a, that's a hell of a good episode in the making right there. That because that raises all kinds of questions. Yeah, you know of of the value of of Data, you know, versus an an actual human being, you know, which they had the potential to go there in this one and just never pulled the trigger, you know? And it's a shame because it, it could have been so much better an episode had they done that. And as, as you said, you know, having him uh, extract himself from data at the end of it, it, it makes it kind of a toothless episode. You know what I mean? Yes. It raises a lot of potential, but, but never really goes anywhere. Yeah, it, it. It, it, it circum circumnavigates all those things by having him, opt out himself you know making the decision himself and i think they could have made his decision to go out a little more um a little deeper too you know or a little more profound but mm, all in all i i I certainly like this episode a lot better than the last episode yeah me too me too yeah you know i mean i i honestly you know, and I, I think I was clear on this last episode, but in case I wasn't, you know, I'll just say I, I went into both of these thinking, oh, these episodes suck. <laughs> and while I still pretty much feel that way about Loud as a Whisper, with a couple of exceptions, this one was a lot better than I remembered it because the main thing that I remembered about this episode was I remembered the beard, which I thought was stupid. I remembered the speech, which was god awful. 
even even beyond the intended god awfulness, it's really really bad. It's really awkward. Um, and then I remember just being really super creeped out by by the old guy being in, in you know Spiner's acting basically of there being an old you know fuddy duddy in his body. Added up to an episode I just didn't enjoy when I was younger, but watching it again, yeah, you know, yeah, this isn't. I mean, it's not a horrible episode. It has its moments. Let me look up real quick. I know what one of our episodes is for last time, although I'm blanking on the name. Let me uh, see here what the what the two episodes are. Uh, vamp, 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 vamp. Let's see. Where the hell is it? Oh, where are the boys at Corus? We hope you like the show. <laughs> oh, we are coming up fast on Measure of a Man. I didn't even realize it. Uh, let's see here. Is that episode? Yeah, that's going to be... Not next episode, but the ex- episode after next episode, barring any specials or anything like that, uh, we will be up to Measure of a Man. I'm looking forward to that. I like that episode a whole lot. I think it raises great questions. I, I don't think it pulls punches, but at the end of the day, I don't agree with the conclusions. So that should make for a lot of fun. But anyway, next time... We've got uh, one that I do not remember a single detail about called Unnatural Selection. I don't know what the hell Uh, this episode is about. And we have a favorite of mine, um, one called A Matter of Honor. And you can basically sum this one up as, uh, uh, you know... Riker goes to like uh, like a it goes through like a student exchange program basically, oh. and uh, it's a good one. He winds up as the first officer on a all Klingon vessel, and uh, it's it's cool. I like this. That one sounds lot. like a lot of fun. I don't remember seeing yeah. that one at all. Excellent. That's, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, and it's got Brian Thompson in it. I love that guy. He's he's just he's one freaky looking dude. So. It's it's about time that they get some. Riker's been a little in in short uh, supply in in season two so far. So we need a we need a a good uh, Riker storming around, kirking around episode coming up. He gets three in this season, two of which I remember being good. One of them is this one, Matter of Honor. There's another one called The Icarus Factor. At least I think that's the name of it, um, where his dad comes on the ship. And oh. that's a phenomenal episode. It's, bo- it's both a really good Riker episode and it's a really good Pulaski episode. And then the season ender for this season is an all Riker episode and it's shit. It's probably the worst, <laughs> the very worst episode because it's a clip show, which is something oh, Star Trek should never, never, ever, ever have done was a clip show. And it's, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of a single redeeming quality for that episode. It is pure, unadulterated crap, but <laughs> well, we uh, should have some fun. It'll with be that. fun. It'll be, yes. <laughs> it'll probably be the first clip show we've actually reviewed in any of our shows. Now that I'm thinking about it. Dude, we I'm looking just just Thank a, God. Quick, a quick flip through. We have so so many really good episodes coming up beyond uh where we are where we're at right now. We've got uh cuz see I know that you haven't seen a lot of these or at right. least I think you haven't. We've got The Dolphin, which is a really good one coming I've up. I've seen that one. I've seen a lot of ep- season 2. It's once we get to season 3 that I've almost seen uh, okay. none of it. Did you ever see The Royale? I see. That, I, I think I have seen the Royale. 
That's a great one. Um, Pen Pals is a powerful episode, although it has a fatal flaw in it. Um, Q Who, with the you know with the first uh, appearance of the Borg. Yeah, there's man, there's some there's some good shit coming up. So I'm I'm excited. I'm really really excited for where we're headed with uh, with Star Trek Monthly Monday Next Gen Edition. It's up and up and up. It is. It really is. Even though there is no up in space. <laughs> Bad, beard, dead is weird. Personality disappeared. Replaced with his grandpa as we feared 23rd century shitside man Century shit side man Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com? and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. 
You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.